This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20 to receive 20% off. They got a ton of stuff from old comic books, new comic books, signed sports memorabilia, signed wrestling memorabilia. Anything you need or want, it is there. Best thing is they ship worldwide. Even better, they update daily. So please visit them at firstrow.ca. If you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like NBA Jam, Red Dead Redemption, Silent Hill 2, and so many others. Everything you see on their website is available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. And if you want to support me directly, you can visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device you're listening to on. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link. takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to travel mugs, anything you need or want. It is there. But the easiest thing, the freest thing, the best thing to do to support the show is... Rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest, you may have seen wrestle for such promotions as JCW, GCW, OVW, AEW, and WWE, to name just a few. He is a human highlight reel and one of, if not the hottest, free agent in pro wrestling today, Shane Mercer. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing great today, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good. Can't complain right now. Uh, that's good to hear. So, all right, let's get it off the bat. How'd you get into wrestling? What made you fall in love with wrestling? Were you a fan first? Did it come after? What was your journey into this crazy world of professional wrestling, as you say? Well, I was definitely a fan first. Um, uh, I've... We used to watch, you know, like superhero shows and cartoons and stuff on like Saturday mornings or whatever. And I mean, I was young, super young, okay. probably like two years old or something like that. Right. And my dad took me to a video store and was going to let me rent, you know, whatever video back in the day for a dollar a night. I forgot what it was, whatever was going on. I think it was a video vault, if I remember <laughs> correctly. 
And uh, I remember seeing this cover of a tape that had lightning bolts all over it and everything, and it looked like real-life superheroes. Okay. And it was the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan on the front cover. Gotcha. And I rented that, fast-forwarded straight to the main event, watched Hogan and Warrior, and was addicted ever since. Oh, my God. That's what got me right Oh, that's all. And that's full circle because that event was in my hometown of Toronto. That was at the Skydome for WrestleMania 6. And yeah, that, I fell in love with WrestleMania 4. So it was, it was a couple of years before because that whole tournament format. But those days with, even though now you're looking back, you know, it's not the greatest, but those over the top superhero things, like that's what I find in common. You have either people who fell in love with the actual pro wrestling, like the technical part of it, or you got the people who fell in love because of the over the top spectacle of sort of real life superheroism. Because some people don't even realize before the internet, before Marvel, we really didn't have that much in terms of movies and TV shows, like how we do now on Disney, right? Oh, no, not as much at all. It was like renting something, like I said, going to your local video store or whatever and finding your stuff. There wasn't much of internet searching back then about stuff. I just started getting hot in later years. But, uh, yeah, seeing something like that was amazing to me. I never thought I would uh, run across something like that that young and fall in love with it. But, of course, I did, and here we are. <laughs> and you also love video games. Was that also around the same time you fell in love with wrestling? Was this all... Uh, yeah, they kind of all fell into the same time, okay. right around the same time. All this uh, larger-than-life stuff. It's like the normal world of normal society has never um, <laughs> done anything for me. Okay. It's always got to be either escaping this world, going into the wrestling world, going into the video game world, something like that or another. And that's what I'm attuned to more so than I. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, and speaking of video games, watching you is like watching a video game, my friend. Like... To me, it blows my mind, and I, I love this shit, because like, it's crazy. I, I don't want to say that you kind of see the same thing over and over in wrestling, but you sort of do. You do this with a little tweak, like, you know what I mean? But your stuff, it's like I'm literally picking up a controller, and I'm playing a video game, man. Like, was that, like, your inspiration, like, just to, coming up with these moves, or just to be out of the wall, like, pop and go viral type shit? Um, not at first. <laughs> But uh, it kind of, when I first started wrestling, I was a high flyer. I wasn't doing strength stuff all the time. I was a high flyer and technical wrestler. Gotcha. That's what I was. That was my bread and butter. And as I got bigger and started lifting weights more and more and more, which I lifted weights back then. Like, but okay. by the time I graduated high school, I was benching 405. So, like, wow. I was stronger back then and everything. But okay. the way I wrestled and stuff, just the stuff I liked was the high-flying sort of wrestling. I used to do lion saws out of the ring and all that stuff way back since I very first started. Oh, wow. But then, like I said, as I started lifting weights and it started becoming more prevalent, mm -hmm. and I started trying more stuff, and I started noticing, like, hey, I can actually military press these guys who are, like, kind of <laughs> chunky. And then I, like, started trying heavier guys and heavier guys and heavier guys. And then, sure. of course, that got to the point where it kind of overshadowed what my normal repertoire was. Oh. To the point sometimes where it kind of puts you against a wall. Because now it's almost like I want to go in there and have a, have a match, have a good match, technical match, show what I can do. Right. But then people sometimes will see my videos or something and be like, oh, all you can do is pick up little guys or something. Mm. You know, the typical troll response. And I'm like, right. Ugh, the stuff that's getting me out there is also the stuff that's diminishing my... Uh, you're worth, so to speak, I guess. It's crazy how that is, that double-edged sword. It's so crazy, man. And like, and, and it, uh, But again, like how you said, you have your background of high-flying and techno. So it's not just you doing these high spots 24-7 all the time in all your matches. Like, you know what I mean? Like, your highlight reel is your highlight reel. And people who expect that would be like, oh, my God, at that rate, you wouldn't be wrestling for only another five years or so. 
Oh, that, that's something I talked to some of the people on that troll in my videos too. And this is something I'll stand by to the edge of time. Okay. Um, used to always hear a lot of older vets. They'll talk about bump cards. Everybody's got their bump card. Gotcha. You can only bump so many times. Yeah. That is true. But everyone's bump card also is not the same. Of course. Look at people like Rob Van Dam right now, for instance, fifty something years old, still doing his all his crazy shit, and it still works. Good point. The one I always go to is he, a friend of the show. He's been on a few times. It's PCO in over at Impact. Look, look what that man has been oh, doing yeah. his whole career, <laughs> and he's still he's going strong. Yeah, gotten even crazier as he's gotten older. Right? So, yeah, it's so true. But that goes with everything in life, though, because it's just like how some people are sitting there like, oh, how come this person could consume more than this? It's just our makeups, our DNAs. Everyone is built differently, and I think that's what makes humanity better. If everyone was the same, then it would suck, no? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. But, yeah, so some of these moves you pull off, it, like you said, you do gorilla press. Uh, the gorilla press position into other cool moves, the the... The moonsault into a tombstone, that made me pop out loud. Like, I've never seen anything like that in my life. And even the, I think what you call the God Mode Power Slam, where it's from the the power bomb position into a power slam. Like I said, I've never seen anything like this. Like, I think the last time I got this excited about moves was when I saw a a Canadian Destroyer for the first time. (laughs) Yeah, I just wanted to always try to have something different. Because I think this stuff, and I feel like a lot of times guys will talk themselves out of it. Mm. But... It's just basic physics. And a lot of my stuff, if you think about it, it isn't, it's over the top, yes. But right. it's still the, like the God Mode Power Slam. At the end of the day, that's still just a power slam. Like my Moonsault and Battery, that's still just, you know, a f- fall forward power slam at the, at the end of the buff of what it is. Mm. It's just I'm doing all the extra and throwing all the extra mechanics and stuff into it. And there's a lot more out there that I could do. It's just depending on who I'm in there with. Who can do it? You know, everybody's different, of course. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you, because obviously you're not going to do the same moves with different guys or or guys you've probably never uh, talked to or wrestled before. But even like running the ropes, holding someone in a suplex position, that blew my mind. And I'm like, well, it's true. Like, how did no one come up with this before? Like, like stuff like that. It, like, I just love when people, it's right there, but no one got it. And now you got it. And now it's like one of your signature moves, too. Yeah, I've been seeing uh, clips. People's been tagging me in it of people in. Uh, well, um, like uh, Logan Paul took my moonsault and battery a few yep. weekends ago and did it on Mysterio, and then we had yep. uh, Strickland do my uh, God Mode Power Slam on AEW, and this is all in the same week. And I'm like, uh, somebody's seen my video. <laughs> <laughs> but again, do you take that as a compliment, or you're like, ah, shit, now now mine is going to be worthless now because now they're going to uh, have the most exposure. Uh, a little bit of both, because I mean, if it gets to the point where I'm on that stature, where I've got that many eyes seeing me, I can always pull up old footage and be like, look. But it, it does get aggravated sometimes, because then you'll have people look at them and think that they are they are the ones that came up mm. with it. Now, I'll say all day, I'll read it all day. Scott Steiner is the one that did my moonsault and battery finish first. It was Scott Steiner. Oh, he used to do okay. it in the ring, not off the ropes. He oh. would just do it in the ring, standing there. And uh, he only did it a few times, but I think it's because he almost landed on his head every time he did it. <laughs> My goodness, it's crazy. But again, the evolution of pro wrestling, right? And, and this is what, what I love about wrestling, where it just keeps taking it to the next level. And the other next level is you also participate in death matches my friend like again full rounded how, how do you feel doing death matches and is it something that you look forward to? Uh, I mean now it's kind of they don't bother me. Okay. I, don't know, man. Oh, I just don't want to go in there and get the, uh, as I call it, the deathmatch walk. Mm. If you've been on shows or seen 
guys. Some of the guys that's been in the veterans of death matches, they'll walk as if they're an old man, but they'll be like my age. And I'm like, no, I think I'm good on that. Sure. Like, I'm not going to do something unnecessarily, like, stupid. But I want to be creative if I go into the deathmatch realm and do stuff that I feel like is not brought into that realm. Because a lot of people, anyway, I've already heard, like, why are you doing it? You lift weights, you bodybuild. Why do you want to cut yourself up? And I'm like, because I'm not cutting my tendons out. I'm not. Mm. I can always go to the gym the week after, and I'm still doing my thing. It's not changing who I am. Right. No, that's a good point. No, that's so true. And now, has, that, has any other wrestlers come up to you with wacky ideas where they just want you to toss them across the ring? And you're like, okay, no, no, I don't want to kill you, man. I just want to, you know, have some fun here. Oh, yeah. Especially after I've done eating some people into the crowd now, I've had people want me to do that to them. Gotcha. So I guess it's kind of like, hey, hey you're going to throw me into the crowd now. I want to do it. And I'm like, sure, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, do you actually get excited? Because again, tossing another human being as far as you do from the ring all the way down onto the floor—that that must be some sort of adrenaline rush on its own, no? It's always a fun little objective because I'll see in the audience and which size and what the building looks like, and it's just kind of a directive of where I can send them. Because each environment's always different. Ah, uh, that's true too. And you also featured on Sports Illustrated once for, again, I can't believe I'm even saying this, using an entire section of bleachers as a weapon during a match. Like, come on. Yeah, um, I was facing the gymnasties. It was a handicap match. We had an idea. Okay. And we was talking about doing the Terry Funk spot, you know, where he puts a ladder on his head and spins. Gotcha. And I was like, hey, think about this. Because, you know, gymnasties back then were known for doing some ridiculous, dumb stuff. And I was like, what if I kind of combine that and I do something like that, but with my strength stuff? And I'm like, I do the Terry Funk ladder spot, but with yeah. those bleachers. And I was just saying it. And they was like, right. you think you can? I, I don't know. We'll see. And it happened. <laughs> <laughs> and again, that this is what I'm talking about. Like ugh, this world that we live in sometimes, it's crazy. Where how, Look how much publicity you have out there. Look how good you are. And again, like how I said off the top, probably one of the hottest free agents not to be on TV to this day and it just blows my mind how the sport has even evolved to the point where people like yourself are not getting it because back in the day oh my god you'd be signed left like no problems like but now the pool is so rich and to stand out and you're doing it and you're standing out too do you think you need to do anything else to stand out better or you're just like i'm gonna eventually get there i'm just gonna keep doing what i'm doing um it's a mix i know definitely people want to see more of my promos and things like that okay it's not that i it's not that I can't or don't talk. It's just I need to be put in a position besides being thrown in, like, say, a random match or a hoss fight or a scramble. I have sure. to have – which I don't have to, but I feel it more in my heart if I cut a promo and there's a meaning there instead of just, hey, I got this scramble. I'm going to wrestle at such and such on this day in this building for this promotion against okay. this guy, which you always see the kind of run-of-the-mill deal. I want to be different than that and have something there. I feel like that, that may be part of it. And, of course, the other side of it would be – I need to make more friends and connections and hit that button more. Ah, uh, that's a good point too. But it, it is hard, especially on the indie scene, because that's one of the biggest gripes with indie wrestling is a lot of promotions don't have storylines and they just bring in wrestlers and just have these one-off type of deal, which is great sometimes too, right? But it's also nice to have like that home promotion that has that storyline that you could cut promos and do stuff and it's actually meaningful, right? Yeah, of course, 100%. And which I'll put the blame on me with that. I, I should and always could go forward and put more promos out towards matches to make them more significant and put more of a significance behind them. So that would be more on me with it and something I need to do and get on if I was going to put a bias and judge myself on something. 
No, yeah, because it, it is so crazy how, again, it's not only de-athleticism. Again, it's having be able to talk, to be able to promote yourself now, obviously, because back in the day, again, there was no social media. You just go to shows and someone will eventually see you, but you got to put your stuff forward. And there's so many things. And again, still, you got to work out, like how you said, you got to eat right traveling like all these things that encompass like i think you tweeted the other day something like you went you drove five hours to a show did a show came back did a work shift did another five hours and i'm like oh my god i'm like please someone sign this man <laughs> yeah that, that that part of the grind definitely sucks because still got to take care of the bills because i uh, i own a home and everything and sometimes it may have been a mistake doing that but i got a lot of bills from a still got to pay ends meet at the end of the day how about a match that you've never been involved with in, like some sort of gimmick match that you've always liked as a child, but you haven't had a chance to do it yet? I haven't done a dog collar match, and I always wanted Ooh. to do one of those. Okay, interesting. I so, always actually wondered if I could grab somebody by the chain and then spin them around. Oh my god! Dog collar. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. Please, someone do that. But what was your favorite dog collar match growing up then? Or oh, some, or some of your of classics. Uh, Valentine and Piper, definitely. Oh, uh, I remember watching that countless times and seeing them beat the ungodly hell out of each other. And then what? recently, of course, the revival and uh, Briscoes. It sucks because I was so close, me and my partner KTB, to facing them Iron Beast versus the Briscoes, and it just never happened. Oh man, yeah, that, that would have been a great match too. Oh my goodness! And speaking of tag team, do you enjoy tagging, or would you prefer, in the greater scheme of things, to always just be a, a singles guy? I prefer being a singles guy because it shows what I can do and okay. I don't have to depend on somebody else. You know, there's always teamwork. A lot of times you have to depend on somebody. You have to be a cohesive unit. You got to thank for the other person. They got to thank for you. So I feel like that's always kind of leaving a little bit of a weakness there open in some way to whereas if I'm full throttle, 100% ready to go and they're not, that's going to affect me. And for singles and stuff, I can showcase more of me and I don't have to worry about the other person. Not saying I don't love it or anything at all. It's just something I have dealt with before. How about crazy venues? Like you said, you've gone crazy, shitty traveling. What about like a crazy venue that you're like, oh, God, do I really have to do this? (laughs) Oh, man. I've been in horse barns. Um, I think when I first started, I was in this place that had insulation hanging from the roof. I'm pretty sure the building should have been shut down, but it wasn't. And the bathrooms were like brown. And then uh, they've had like these horse barns where we changed in horse stalls with horses in there. What? And goats at some fair show in Kentucky. So, yeah, there's that. And then they went from that to, uh, hell, been in the Manhattan Center in New York where they used to run ECW shows. And uh, in Japan. So, I mean, Canada and big-ass arenas in Mexico. So, I mean, this the vast majority of some cool stuff far and wide from the lowest low to the top two. Yeah, no, that's so crazy to hear. And, again, I named a bunch of promotions too, but one that stands out for me is the Juggalo Championship Wrestling because, again, when watching WCW back in the day, the Insane Clown Posse, like, who didn't like those guys? And then they had their own promotion and you became the heavyweight champ there so how was it working for them and how was that promotion while you were there i was always crazy always crazy because they would run the um, jcw shows bloody mania at the end of the night at the uh, gathering gotcha. and uh, by the time they do it i remember there was one night it was me and now known as a uh, ruby soho okay. teamed up to face um, what she called now valkyrie yep. and uh WWE, sarah bridges and pondo mm-hmm. in a tag team match nice. i remember sarah or, uh, uh, Ruby coming up to me because by the time we wrestled, it was like main co-main event, so it was like four thirty a.m. Oh my god! I'm over sitting in a chair, already dressed, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm just out. 
sitting there just asleep. <laughs> and she like smacks me on the shoulder. She's like, hey, it's time. And I was like, all right, let's go. That's kind of wake up and go straight to the match at four thirty in the morning. Oh my goodness, that's so. Is that the latest you've ever had to wrestle in the states? <laughs> uh, either that or the GCW Fight Forever show, because that was literally a twenty-four hour live show. So wow. that was a little. I think I had a match there at like two or three in the morning, but it was just like waiting for your times and stuff. So long in between, man, that was rough. How man, about was cold. how about how many times? What's the most you've ever wrestled in a day? Um. I think three separate matches, really? three different promotions. I oh. did a triple shot one night, three different uh, uh, promotions. I'm trying to think where they were. It's actually uh, this uh, promotion in Kentucky, a little hometown promotion called SWE. Okay. I went straight from there to IWA Mid South. Oh my god! And then uh, went from IWA Mid South to uh, JCW and did the Bloody Mania. I think that was the four thirty in the morning one. So yeah, I did all three of them within like eight hours or so. And you do all these shots by yourself, or you actually have a crew that you like to travel with? Uh, I had a buddy of mine, Isaiah, with me then, but I, I have different people travel with me. You know, people link up depending on where they go, where they travel from, whether I love them, so on and so forth. So what are your, some of your favorite go-tos while you guys are, are in the car together? What, what buys the time while you guys are driving? Because, again, th- these things must take forever to get there, right? So, uh, Either podcast, or we'll have our own playlist of music, or we'll just... Uh, Shoot the shit and talk about whatever. Really, it's just like a random cycle of three. Or we'll find a Wawa's or something to stop at, and uh, of course, get some grub there. Oh, there you go. How about video games? Do you guys take? Do you take any of your video games on the go? Oh, uh, I don't much. You no, know, because there's never much time where I'm like in the hotel room or wherever to get time to game out at. Because I'm a PlayStation gamer, and I don't feel like bogging that big thing around everywhere. Plus, there's always a chance of somebody stealing it and dealing with airports and stuff too. Just more of a hassle than not. No, that's a good point. So when did your love of video games, like I said, you came in young, but when did you like get into it fully and you understood what the hell like video games actually were? Oh, it was like three or four. My dad got me a, uh, gave me a Super Nintendo. Okay, nice. Like when they first came out and I was hype over it and of course got into it about everything that was coming out about that time. So after Super Nintendo, is that when you made the jump and became a PlayStation guy? Were you always a PlayStation guy after that too? Uh, no, I went up from... Uh, Super Nintendo, and of course, 64, and then there was PlayStation, and I never was just a single console guy. I always kind of get, like, all of them. Like, even right now, I have the Series X, I have the Switch, I have the PS5. Okay. I love all of them, but Sony's always captivated me the most, because they have the, uh, I feel like, the best exclusives on their system, more than others. You got, like, God of War, Last of Us, Horizon Zero Dawn, whereas, like, Xbox had, like, Gears of War and Halo, and it just kind of felt like more, more or less the same. Yeah, no, I, me, myself, I'm a PlayStation guy. Well, I guess Nintendo, too, because I like to switch for the portability part of it. But I never, like, what, like I talk to video game people, create them, and have all kinds of people on the show, and I've never once owned an Xbox and pretty much played an Xbox game, to tell you the truth. Like, it's always been PlayStation, because I got comfortable with it, and you're right. The exclusives are just mind-boggling of what keeps coming. Like, one that's current is Spider-Man 2. Like, that one just alone right there. Like, I'm sure you've been playing it or are going to get to it, I just beat it last week, actually, yeah. So there you go. You, you see what I mean? So how, how is, because I, I haven't had a chance to get to it yet, how is the game Spider-Man? Is it what everyone is saying? Is it one of the greatest games of all time? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's up there on our Arkham City level. It's it's pretty Ooh. bad as far as the story goes. I just wish it was longer, honestly. I just wish it was oh. a little bit longer. That's my only drive. Really? It's that short? Because, I, I like, to me, I found 
from the first two, the Spider-Man and the uh, Morales one, I like the Morales one better. And I found that it was just the perfect amount of length. Because sometimes these open world games get too tedious and it's just very long. Or I hate when they make an open world game and they make you do all kinds of side missions. And there's really only four main missions you got to do and then you clear the game. Like, you know what I mean? So how is Spider-Man in, in terms of that? Uh, Spider-Man has a it has some side missions and stuff, but they're they're not like those uh, tedious type side missions where you go and collect stuff or whatever. It's more of like right. other villain, other bosses you don't even know is a part of the game and stuff. This is totally separate from the main story, so that's pretty cool. And you get to switch between both, so that's pretty awesome getting to have that whenever you want to do. But yeah, I, I love the story on. There's definitely supposed to be some DLC from what I heard coming out there. Oh, there you go. So maybe that's why they made it a bit shorter, so then people could just purchase the DLC, right? <laughs> Like that's, that's the thing nowadays. You don't unlock content, you buy it. It's so true. Well, speaking of that, are you into the the, the multiplayer games online and all, all these free-to-play games as well? Honestly, no. I've never been a part of like Call of Duty or Fortnite or Me any too. of this stuff. I like my, uh, like my single-player stuff. Yeah, I'm the exact same way because I just find either A, people either have their shit modded and they're cheating, or B, it's just not fun because... People who are playing online, they're playing this 24-7 and they're like, speaking, no pun intended, of God mode. They're on God mode because they play it all the time. So you get smoked all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like I play Call of Duty, not even enough to be good at it. And I open up a, a war zone or something and they get killed like 10 times in like five minutes. And then just had some little kid talking shit to me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> That's the other thing. My ego can't I'm, take I'm, it. I'm, <laughs> yeah I, i'm the same way i love stories and i even like those uh speaking of exclusives um what was that one that just came i didn't uh the quarry did you ever play that one uh no i have not i, I played the uh, very first one that came out i forgot the name of it is now until dawn um but i had yes that one and i didn't ever play any other ones after that Oh, okay, so do you like those type of narrative more of not more like you really you don't really do much it's Pretty much a point-and-click type of game. Do you enjoy those type of narratives? Yeah, the, the spiderweb stories. That's what attracted me to it more than anything, yes. Because oh. there's, um, there's another game um, where it's about robots, like AI. I forgot the name of it. Um, okay. It, it's kind of along the same lines, though. Uh, Detroit Become Human. That's oh, yes. That is a great one. Yes. I, I enjoyed that one, too. Yeah. There's like 90-something endings to it or something like that. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, because then there's replay there's replayability behind it, right? So you could actually go and see all the different types of endings. It's crazy how each choice has like leads to eight other ones, and then you time that throughout the whole game. It's like, good god, <laughs> right? It's so crazy. And I think the originator, um, in my opinion, that started all this was like almost, I guess, The Walking Dead. That original game. I don't know if you played that one, the one with Clementine, and then Lee that dies at the end. Oh. That storytelling, oh my, because you got invested in a character, and then boom, just like that, they're dead. And you're like, what the hell? And it's, oh, I love that shit. Yeah, I ended up playing all those um, all the way up until the very last one they came out with. Yeah, those are crazy type of games. And yeah, it's just the storytelling. Storytelling needs to be important in a video. And again, it's got to be fun, but I don't, I'm not one of those guys. I don't know how your playing sessions are because the way your schedule is, but I can't just hop into a game for 10, 15 minutes and hop out. I like to immerse myself and have like a nice solid two to three hours at least and actually make it like a moment where I'm enjoying it instead of making it seem like it's a chore. Oh yeah, 100%. I'll get that uh, 
which if, if you're pretty much along the same lines of a gamer I am, you probably get that too, where you beat a game after you've kind of been into it for like, you know, 10, 15, 20 plus hours, and then you beat the game, the credits are rolling, and you kind of automatically get like a, a post-game depression a little bit, and you're like, man, like, this is this is over now. Ah. I know, because you feel so comfortable, because you get to know the world, and you've, again, you get to know characters, you've been in that world, and then you got to transition to another game, and again, if you feel like this, because I do, you feel like a sort of like anxiety when you start a new game. It's like, oh, this is different. I don't really like this map compared to the old game. I like, you know, you start comparing, and then you get comfortable again, and then it's like, okay, now I really like this game too. Oh yeah, it always takes a little bit like to dig in. Anytime I play like an Assassin's Creed or something, good I point. have to like go around and see everything for a bit. <laughs> It'll take me a good like five hours into it. Then I'm like, all right, now I'm a little bit comfortable doing this. <laughs> so if you could pick one genre what would it be just a single player story driven type of game uh yeah just a single player story action action adventure that's my go-to's mostly and are you a fan of the remakes because again you started gaming when you were younger so now you're starting to see some of the games when you were a child come out again do you like the remakes or do you think they should just stay alone um, I like some of the remakes. I don't think they should do other ones. Like I, there was no re- to me, there was no point in doing the Last of Us remake. It right. just came out within the past ten years. I, I think there should be like a twenty year limit, maybe on a remake. If it came out oh. twenty years ago, then yeah, you, you can, I can probably see you getting away with that. Like they're supposed to be coming out with a Metal Gear Solid uh, three remake. I'm kind of hype over that, but okay. not. I don't really care too much for the uh, Metal Gear Solid. A bundle that just came out because I don't really care just because it's HD graphics of like a game that came out on PlayStation 2 that it oh well I've already beat that game I had my time I want to see something new to it or a mechanics that makes it in today's time or something you know or even with to like the, how they say like the quality of life mechanics where it, not that it makes it easier where you have options either fast forward rewind or play a certain way that you want to because some of those games are really unplayable like again i you try and go play like the original metal gear solid on playstation one yeah good luck with that like the controls are so clunky like if you don't update that and you just slap a new code on it to me that's not a real remake and i and i've been suckered in so many times to those types of games now if it's not a true remake from the but like I just um, I'm going to start playing probably tomorrow as of this recording the new Super Mario RPG remake speaking of remakes and that was built from the bottom up where it's like new graphics like quality of life stuff and but they still left some of the quirks in from the original so like people like myself who played the original will still love it you, you, you know what I mean and I think that's the way you do re- or sort of like how Capcom did it with the Resident Evils now like that's those are masterpieces yeah because again go try and play those Resident Evils on PlayStation 1 where you have to turn the character around and then go up to make him walk <laughs> Yeah, the tank controls that they used to have back then. Right, I can't believe the, the <laughs> shit we used to go through just to play a video game. <laughs> hey, that was a, that was revolutionary back then because we went from two D two D space to now like oh shit, your character can like turn around all the way around. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Okay, so now that we're at the end of the year, you've played a bunch of games this year. What do you think should be the game of the year for twenty twenty three? Probably Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, really? Tears of the Kingdom had such it had a huge uh, it had a huge following it had to beat with the first game and somehow some way it did and it lived up to it and was better and I, that that was crazy to me to be able to have two games like that and both are ten out of tens and just to come through and do something like it just sucks that it's on the Switch like that I whereas know. I feel like not as many people 
will give it credit to where it needs to be given credit with. So I think if not that, then maybe a Spider-Man or Alan Wake might be a game of the year this year. Yeah, did you enjoy uh, part two? Because I tried, again, speaking of remakes, the part one remake came out, but it was still sort of the same controls from back in the day. And it felt so outdated, so I could not finish it. I was getting into the story, but I'm just like, I can't play this anymore. And it was unplayable, in my opinion. So how is part two? Oh, part two was awesome. I loved part two. Was it in story? Like I said, the story and stuff is what got me captivated going into it. But if it wasn't for that, I'd, I'd have to say Spider-Man just because of how into everything I am. And I'm still like, I could probably pick it up and play it right now. But I'm like, what do I do, though? There's nothing I can do no more. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's the thing about certain video games. It's like once you're done, you're done. But it, they're so good that you want to go back and play. But then again, we have so many video games because sometimes I feel like, Especially when I come across a dud of a game or a game that I thought I would like, but I really don't. I'm like, oh, I just wish I could go back and play an older game. But then it's like, but then I'm going to miss out on something that's new. Like, we're so spoiled nowadays. Hmm. If I was going to jump into something new, or I wish they'd come out with new and remake he's talking about, that'd be Twisted Metal. Oh, that's a good one. But I think they did try and come out with one recently, didn't they? Well, in 2012, they had one. On, okay, uh, maybe that's what I'm PS3, thinking. I think. At the very end of PS3, and it felt uh, rushed because I think it's supposed to be a multiplayer-only game, and then revolutionary oh. for its time with what it did. And I feel like if they did something like that again today, that'd be awesome, especially with the show and everything and the tie-ins they could do. Well, I'm just gonna ask. I've always been a car combat lover, but okay, you don't see them as much in there, like hardly ever. No, you really don't. You have Rocket League, I guess. That's sort of car, but it's more of like a sport. Did you ever get into Rocket League? Um, no, not really. It's, it's, to me, it's always been when it comes to car combat, it can't be like a demolition derby or sports got to be straight up. Just car combat cars with guns and <laughs> all that stuff. That's just always what I've been into. How about burnout? Cause that really doesn't have guns, but it was destroying cars. <laughs> um, I thought it was cool watching a little bit, but then I just, I got bored with it quick. Cause it was more racing than anything. I just, I've never been into racers. Oh, uh, yeah, you know what, and that's the thing, and plus, in sort of, like, if you want a racer too, you could jump into something like Grand Theft Auto, and there's a ton of races there that you could do that could whet your appetite, where you don't have to go straight to a straight racing, unless you're like, you want that simulation of like F1 or NASCAR or something, then I could understand, but just like these car, like, even like uh, Need for Speed and stuff like that, I'm so over those type of games, when I was younger, loved it, but now, it's true, you get so sick of them quickly, and it, there's no really re- replay on it. Yeah, I've never been a big fan of racing games at all. I can do them for a little bit, and then I'm just kind of over it. Well, back to Twisted Metal quickly. You mentioned the show and the tie-in. Did you watch the show, and did you enjoy it? I was mixed about it because they kind of blended everything of Twisted Metal together. And I'm more of a – I know Twisted Metal was pretty sick, twisted in itself. It's kind of fucked up. Right. And they kind of made it a little bit goofy. Like Sweet Tooth is not somebody (laughs) that just jokes around and dances to – Dong song, it's not him. Gotcha. But I can get where they're trying to blend all the stuff. And I'm like, man, I wish they would have some canon to where it's more twisted metal black oriented and oh. not like this weird blend they're doing or whatever they're trying to do in their own version of it. But I gave, I gave it a shot. And it, the show ended up all right, especially the last few episodes is what it, the whole show should have been. No, and I'm so frustrated where... Video games can't get the same treatment sometimes, or majority of the times, like say how Marvel's doing it now, where it's like you have the perfect IP there. How do you guys always bumble it up? Like 
there's so you could go through the whole catalog of anything that came from video game that went to either a movie or a TV show. Like the one I always come up with is Assassin's Creed, the original Super Mario Brothers, like all this stuff. Like how did you screw those things up? Like it's right there in in the making. It's oh, it's so frustrating. Oh no! I think there's like a handful of the the Mario the new Mario movie. I actually thought that was pretty good. No, that was good. They, they did that the way it should have been. And then uh, I mean, there's there's just a handful of them. Like the I actually was not a fan of the new Mortal Kombat movie. I like oh, the 1995 okay. version. Me too. I love that one. That was that. It's, I think I think Goro meant something. He yes. That, that felt like he was a boss, like he was in the video game. And then in the new one, he just gets killed by this new character. And I'm like, what? I this, know. Huh? Like, I don't know. I just, it just feel like they catered to like the quick, I don't know, the quick fans that don't really are not real deep fans of Mortal Kombat. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah, because there was a lot of lore in the first one, especially the second one. It was still okay, but I, to me, just watching that movie come to life. Because to me, I'm, I wasn't really a big fan of fighting games per se. Like I never really, I yeah, I played Street Fighter, but I wasn't really a fan of it. When Mortal Kombat came and the fatalities and the blood and all this mature stuff, I was like, oh, hook, line, and sinker. So when you got to see it on the big screen, it meant something. So it's like how you said, when you first, because you don't see Goro first, you hear him and you see a shadow and it's like, oh, they're going to have Goro. And then after he appears, like, you know what I mean? So it, like you said, it meant something and it sort of stayed true to the original story from the video game. I hate when they take something and they wrap it all up and totally mess it's like they're only using the name just for the name yeah and people like to put their they like to claim anyway they put their own touch on it which I don't get it stupid the whole reason why you're making the movie to begin with is because of the freaking game why not stick to the roots of why you're even making this movie I don't know I don't get it well now that it's been announced too speaking of Super Mario because of that hit now they're going to make a Zelda or a Link movie now, the thing that's going online is saying that that's not really the strong suit of Zelda and Link. It's not the storytelling. It's more of the gameplay and the revolutionary stuff that it does in its gameplay. So how do you think this is going to be received? Do you think they're going to blow it out of the park just like Mario? I think maybe. But it's also kind of weird to me that Sony is producing it. <laughs> A Nintendo game. So yeah, that's, that's kind of interesting. So I don't know. I can't really uh, say good or bad with it. I'm just on the watch for it and see what we'll come up with it. Do you think it should be all like stop motion or should it be like actual real life? Like how they say like how Super Mario was all cartoons and stuff. What do you think is the best method of putting out a video game? Uh, I think it depends on the context of it. If you have more of a mature type game, obviously, I think you should have real life people. But if you get something cartoony like Mario, that I mean what they did obviously works for it. Just kind of look at the format of what's going on and see what would go best with the rating, the age appropriate kind of deal. The one thing, especially nowadays, because everything sort of looks realistic now on the PlayStation 5, where you could literally turn that into like a TV series. I don't know why they just don't hop off those mechanics and put it right into like a storytelling and just have actors voiceover and like be its own show. Like, you know what I mean? Because one that I looked to, uh, I don't know if you watched it, was on Netflix, uh, Cyberpunk, th- that spinoff they did. And oh, yeah, yeah. that was fantastic. And it felt like you were still in that video game world because it still had that aesthetic where it didn't take it away. Even the Mario, same thing. It had that cutiness. You could tell you were sort of playing a a, a, a Nintendo game, so to speak, right? Yes, uh, like Cyberpunk. When that um, when that came out, that had a different feel to it and everything. But the Mario one, that, I think they nailed that one pretty good. And I think if they're going to do another one or like a, a Pokemon movie, the Pikachu thing, they should kind of keep those in that same format. Because I think that worked great for 
No, it's true. And again, you, you want to get that out because Nintendo is known for PG-13, right? Because you grow up you grow up with Nintendo and then after, once you become an adult, you see Xbox and PlayStation and get lured away. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just the way it is. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, how about this? What's your favorite? Okay, you said Spider-Man, Arkham, but let's go back because back in the 8-bit and 16-bit era, there was a ton of Marvel, DC, great beat-em-up games. What are some of your most memorable moments of playing those type of games? Uh, hmm, probably a uh, maximum carnage. Right, playing the hell out of that one. That was a great. Just trying to beat it, and um, I used to like this game on Super Nintendo called Joe and Mac. So okay. I was a big fan of dinosaurs, so that that was fun. Um, I don't know, just the usual Mario runs, things like that. I got some off the wall ones like Metal Warriors. Um, uh, let me see here. Final Fight. Always a big fan of Final Fight games and Street Street of Rage. Love oh, those. But yeah, yeah, those are some of the ones I dove into growing up. How about the remakes? Again, back to remakes. The Streets of Rage remake, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge remake, like all this stuff. Are, uh, have you been getting your toes dipped in those? Oh, I got them. Yep, <laughs> I dig them. Uh, I don't. I don't play them as much as I used to because I'm. I feel like I've grown past that style now. Right. But if I have friends or something over, that's something I'll jump into because then I can kind of bring them back to my childhood, sort of. Actually, that is a good point because, the, again, the replayability, you can clear those games in like one sitting most of the times, right? But it's the fun of playing like that couch co-op, like how we used to do back in the day, like playing Mortal Kombat at home on Super Nintendo or playing NBA Jam or something. Who didn't have those great nights uh, as a child or teenager? Oh, yeah. Now it's taken over by your yelling at somebody like 10,000 miles away from you or something. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Oh, my goodness. Okay. You also love comic books. Are you a huge collector? Do you have like stacks of comic books, old, new? What's going on? Oh, yeah. Uh, I collect a specific brand. I collect only comic crossovers. That's it. Oh, and, and it doesn't matter what type of crossover as long as it's two different brands? Yep. So I have some of the most off-the-wall crossovers. You, I don't know if you knew existed before, but I have, I have like okay. Spider-Man versus uh, Powdered Toast Man off Ren and Stimpy. I got the Joker. Right. And uh, wearing the mask off the mask movie, um, Predator versus Tarzan, uh, Aliens versus the Green Lantern, Justice League versus Predator, Terminator versus RoboCop. You know, I'll get all the crazy crossovers, Savage Dragon and Superman, some of the most craziest stuff you can think of. I just recently got uh, Wolverine versus Predator, the first official crossover of that. Oh, so wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Oh, my. So what got you into these crossovers then? Um, just seeing them growing up, just two entities facing off that you don't think of. Always been into that, like gaming crossovers and stuff, and this like Marvel versus Capcom. Always thought that stuff was so cool. Actually, you're right. You know what? As as a child, we really didn't get much of that. Everyone just stayed in their lane. Now you're starting to see more people communicate and be together. But my first one was like when I saw the movie announced for Freddy versus Jason. My heart sunk, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, this is heaven!" And it delivered in every which way. Like I'll watch, like I try and watch that movie every Halloween season and stuff. It's just it's so so well put together. Like they could speaking of throwing something together and screw up, but it's like oh, you could tell this was a labor of love. I have the uh, comic that was supposed to be the second movie. Uh, oh Freddy shit! Jason versus oh, that's awesome. Oh, see, and that's the thing. Like, why was that robbed from us? If it was such a success, the first one. Like, why couldn't they give us a a, a second one? 
Um, apparently because they didn't have the control to Freddy Krueger and Jason like they wanted. The oh. Evil Dead people was going to make it, and they didn't have control over those characters, so they couldn't do what they wanted with them. But the comic book kind of picks up right where the movie left off, okay. which is kind of cool. Because like at the end, when you see Freddy winking at the camera, yeah. that, that, that whole scene is inside of Jason's head. Because whenever Freddy almost killed him whenever he was a kid, because obviously everybody else forgot about Freddy and thought he was dead and they killed him in the water and all that. So that little bit was left in Jason's head, and that's what he was pretty much doing is walking around, and Freddy was trying to get him to get the Necronomicon, which is what originally made Jason come back to life anyway, and that's right. how Evil Dead ties in, and then they all go at it. Oh, my – yeah, that, see, that would have been friggin' fantastic. Like, come on. And then eventually spin off and have, like, Michael Myers appear and other crazy icons from the horror – the uh, hack and slash type era. Oh, to me that would be just perfect. Like, let's have an Avengers of horror villains. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've always been in a lot of the lore of that. I've looked up a lot about like a uh, Pinhead and Michael Myers came cl- close to actually happening once. Oh, I love they, Pinhead. Uh, like, Chucky, we talked about a crossover, and that never happened either. A lot of this stuff just comes down to legalities. That's all it is. See, and again, why are these, oh, I got, who cares, that's another podcast for another day, these corporations are holding us back, it's like, oh, this would be so, f-. but then again, at least now, in today's day and age, people could have, like, comic books and other stuff where you could go around and the, the sort of loopholes to get these stories out, right? I just never knew they had a comic to the follow-up of Freddy vs. Jason, now I gotta look this up and actually read it. Yeah, there's uh, two of them. There's uh, Freddy vs. Jason versus Ash, and then there's Freddy, Jason, Ash, the Night Nightmare Warriors. So there's two follow-ups to it. And then there's actually other ones that's just weird. I got like a Jason versus Jason X. I have Jason versus Leatherface. Um, I'm trying to think. Just like weird, weird off-the-wall stuff like that. That's comic books is the world. You'll see most of the stuff cross over more than anything. Now, do you have like a favorite illustration or like just overall like story that you've collected over the years? Um, there is one hero that is owned by Marvel and DC both, oh. and his name is Actus. can go between each comic world anytime he wants, and it's the only comic book hero that's owned by both Marvel and DC. They had one story called All Access one time where he had to have, I think it was uh, like the Justice League and the Avengers fought each other, and they had to get like the Infinity Stones and like a bunch of other stuff. It was a bunch of crazy interactions. It was pretty cool. So he's appeared on numerous like different types of comics on both sides with other different superheroes. He, he's appeared in the uh, Amalgam issues, which is the combined ones of okay. uh, Marvel and DC, and then he appeared in the Marvel versus DC just um, wars that they've had in the big compilation. And then he has his own comic called Access, and then there's another one called All or All Access or Unlimited Access, where he has some follow-ups with a. Uh, some other people find each other and some cool interactions. Like there's one where Venom and uh, Superman fought each other. That was pretty cool. What? See, this is the stuff I never even knew about. Okay, but I'm, I'm not like a crazy guy who goes like searching for comic books. If I come across it, and to me, it's, I think I, I got into comic books because I enjoy it and people suggest it. So I read them and see them, obviously. But there's so many other things that whet my appetite, like video games, pro wrestling, like movies, this, this, and that, where it's like, if I was to encompass everything, I wouldn't have time to do anything. Like, you know what I mean? And it's just crazy what we pick and choose that we love. But again, yeah, this lore of just these, cro- now now I'm intrigued. Now you're going to have me going down a rabbit hole tonight. That's for sure. Oh, yeah, there, there is tons of them. Not, I'm still obviously collecting. There's new, new ones that come out all the time that I didn't even know about. Like uh, Marvel now owns 
uh, Predator and Alien franchise. So you can see both of those are going to cross over probably in the next few years. Wolverine and Predator being the actual first official one. Oh my, yeah. Pretty soon Disney's going to own everything and you're going to see like Luke Skywalker facing off against Spider-Man in an episode of something. Like, you know what I mean? I'm surprised something like that hadn't happened already, really. You know what? How do you think that would be received, honestly, though? Do you think they should merge these universes and have sort of like a super universe? Yeah, I'd like to see them down the road do something together. Like with the... If you're going to have Galactus and Darth Vader meet each other or something like that, that's like a perfect scenario. They have all that kind of, you know, story just is already there with so much stuff. And then much as they're doing the multiverse now, I feel like that just fits perfect anyway. Right. And now they're coming out with, I think, a season two of What If. Those are are my sort of type of favorites is what if this happened instead of this? And then you get to see sort of like that multiverse, like, you know what I mean? And I love that start of storytelling because anything is possible in those worlds. It's weird that they actually made What If, though, a part of the MCU actual uh, story. That was crazy to me. It was crazy. And I wonder if it was planned from the beginning or if it's just because they got such a good reception. They're they're like, oh, let's piggyback off this. Yeah, because that means uh, Supreme Strange now is supposed to be a part of things. But I guess I feel like a lot of that's going to tie in the Secret Wars movie whenever we're all like 10 years older and finally get to see it. (laughs) <laughs> I know, right? Now, I know you're a comic book fan and you love superheroes and all that, but are you at all superheroed out? Do you think there should be like a little bit more of a like a timeout? Let's take a little rest here, or do you just want more and more to keep pumping out? Um, I like what they're doing, but I feel like the story's kind of becoming convoluted now. Okay, it's not. It does not have the same feel as it did whenever you see Thanos on screen and turn around and say he's going to do it himself. Right now, you have Kang on there, and it's just kind of getting. I don't know. I seen Kang kind of get his ass whipped in the uh, Ant Man movie, right? And it kind of took me out of it because I'm like, so why should I care about Kang now? Like, okay, hmm. right? I don't know. I think I heard all the rumors, and I would agree. I think it'd be cool if they got rid of Kang and maybe with the with the Doom uh, direction right. that would fit things in my eyes more still. Yeah, I think so because they got to start incorporating the Fantastic Four and the X Men eventually, right? Because now they have the rights where they could use them, and I just want to see what they're going to do with those two worlds because those two worlds alone are just fascinating if done correctly. Yeah, I haven't seen the uh, Marvels yet, but I heard there's the X Men. Uh, there's a little bit of X Men stuff in it. Oh, perfect! So, so I can't wait. Okay, so I'm going to check that out for sure. Okay, before I, I let you go and, and we plug it and we end this stuff, I hear you like to make a good hot sauce, my friend. Is this true? Oh, yeah. I have, uh, I did have, which there's a new one that should be on the way. Okay. Because as of August, um, Carolina Reaper is no longer the hottest pepper in the world. Oh. The Pepper X is now. And all this hot sauce, I get people to try. I tell them beforehand, I don't know what's wrong with them. I'd be like, hey, this is hot, it's going to burn your mouth out. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and they'll try it anyway. And then I'll watch them burn their mouth out, some puke, some cry, you know, all the reactions in the world. And that's been amazing. So it's going to be even better now to see them go back and try it again with Pepper X. Because I know everybody's going to do it just because. So are you a fan of just spicy food in general? Oh, yeah, I love spicy food. I already love spicy food a lot anyway. But then I ended up dating this girl for like five years, a Spanish girl, and all her family was eating hot stuff constantly. So it got to a point where I was wanting to kind of compete against them and be like, I don't care. I'm not a part of y'all's world, so I'm going to like try to keep up. And then it got to the point where like I was putting more hot stuff on my stuff than they were. So... But, it, but I, I don't like it to where if it tastes like crap, it's got to have a flavor to it. And I don't want it to – it's like I can take the flavor of my mouth. I can handle it. Right. But stomach sometimes don't. 
Like, I'm not going to do it if I have a show that day or something. I'd be done with me to do it. Actually, that is a good point because I'm the exact same way. Like, I could eat as hot, like, maybe not like what is like maybe when i was growing up the heart the what was probably like a ghost pepper was probably not not even there was something below the ghost pepper until it came out i can't remember what it was exactly but there was one where it's like okay this is supposed to be the hottest and it was fine but nowadays i don't know i probably could handle but it's true like my mouth could handle it's just my stomach and on the way out was not what i could handle like that is where because i used to put like hot sauce on everything like to me is if it didn't have hot sauce take it back like give me hot sauce the more the better but now it's like do I really want to put hot sauce on everything and just ruin my night? <laughs> yeah, I like hot sauce on just about everything, but not completely everything. I'll get hot sauce out every now and then, but I do like my, I don't like, like for instance, I don't like mild sauce at all. I'm not a fan of it. Oh, okay. I've done become so accustomed to uh, at least hot that I got to have at least some spice there or else the food tastes kind of boring. So again, being from the South, these guys are notorious for having great hot sauces too. Like I said, what's one, okay. One that's on the market that people could get that you would like p- promote, so to speak. Uh, Mad Dog three fifty seven. Oh, never heard of this one. Is this only available in the states? Um, I don't know, for instance, but it's probably one of the hottest sauces I've ever tried before. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let's let's tune it down a bit. Not the hottest, but like you said, the most flavor with a kick. How about that? It's probably just JR's barbecue sauce, and I'm, I like this barbecue sauce I had, and it's pretty good. Yeah, is it really? Because I, I didn't. I, that's actually available up here. I can actually order that. I just ne- never had the chance to. So it, it does have a bit of kick to it. Yeah, his has a kick to it, and it has flavor. It's like a good mix of both of them. Okay, that's awesome. Well, Shane, thank you very much for coming aboard today, my friend. It's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Promote your socials. Anything you want to put out there? Floor is all yours, my friend. Um, you can pretty much find me on any social media. Just look up uh, Shane Mercer on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter. Look up The Iron Demon on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Shane Mercer. Pretty much everything else, either Shane Mercer or The Iron Demon. You can find me on my YouTube channel, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, every all social medias. Nice. And for myself, you can find me on X and Instagram under Finger Styles, or you can follow the podcast on X, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show, support those fine sponsors, because if it helps them, almost definitely helps me out. And most importantly, please rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. All right. One last question before I let you go, my friend. If you could play or be any comic book superhero or villain in a movie or TV series, who would you want to be? Thanos. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but would you? What would be your spin on Thanos, though? How about that? Um, not to eliminate half the population. Maybe take that power and do something else with it. <laughs> <laughs> the, oh, okay. How about this one quickly? If you were to form a wrestling stable with a bunch of superheroes, who who would you want in your stable? Oh, definitely Thanos, and then Hulk, and then uh. Oh, you're going straight power. Captain America or Iron Man. There you go. That's great. On that note, he's Shane. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.